We're in Revelation chapter 17 this morning, so I invite you to take the word and turn with me to Revelation 17 this morning. We'll be in the entire chapter again today. Uh, We're going to finish Revelation, Lord willing, this summer. It's been a great study for me, and of course, the climax is still coming. It will be in Revelation 17 today. You may remember the story of John Walker Lynn back in the war in Afghanistan. We had this uh, terrible discovery of this American citizen fighting with the Taliban. He was an American citizen as a teenager. He declared himself Muslim. And, um, wow, uh, parenthetically, folks, there are some, some odd harmful world religions out there, uh, and so there are folks trapped in them where they've uh, been born into those cultures, but when, uh, when I see an American uh, choose uh, to be a, uh, a Muslim or a Buddhist or any of these things, it's, it's so troubling, but here he was, an American citizen, fighting against his own country. Well, his parents said, uh, he's, he's not a terrorist, he's just a, a, a dreamer. Well, no, you see, when you uh, choose to shoot against your own country, you are a traitor. And he did go to prison. He's out right now on a three-year um, kind of temporary uh, watch re- uh, release. But it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching to see that, to see someone on the wrong side like that, who had everything and gave it up. Well, today as we look at Revelation 17, uh, the title of the message is God Destroys the Destroyer, and He Will. We've been seeing this ramp up for a long time now. We're in the middle of a three-chapter picture of the battle of Armageddon that will play out where the, the devil will be defeated forever and ever and ever. So God destroys the destroyer. But along the way today, we also ask the question, am I on the right side Do I know Christ as my Savior, and then am I walking with my Savior? Well, it's another fascinating chapter here in chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, we looked at the seven bowls of wrath last time, the wrath of God. He came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Tell me the Bible is boring. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast that was and is not and will come 
And here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And these will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman who you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Wow, what a horrible and fascinating chapter. And the first thing that I'd say to you today is that God's enemies are doomed already. It's already a done deal. It's already declared. It's been written and it will be done. We look at this woman and I would say to you that what you probably already guessed that it's not one woman, but Something that stands for something. Uh, Oftentimes we refer to ships and cities and things as her. We used to call hurricanes by female names. And I guess at some point someone said, hey, let's share the blame here a little bit for hurricanes. Ships, okay, but not hurricanes. And uh, so here we have this that represents all that is against God. All that goes against his kingdom. All the blasphemous, immoral spirit of the devil in the world against God. But let's just look here. So here is this great harlot who sits on many waters with whom, again, the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality. And again, not not necessarily a particular woman, but all of the world, all of that which is uh, influenced and led by the devil against God. He's always been against God from the very beginning. That's how the devil became the devil, is that he looked as a created angel at the glory that God was receiving, and he said in his own sinful heart, I want that glory. And so he and those angels who followed him a long, long time ago before the creation of the world were kicked out of heaven, and he became then the devil. He's been against God ever since the beginning there in uh, Genesis where he came and he tried to get Adam and Eve to fall. And they did by saying, you are better than God. And he's always worked in these ways. He's always tried to stamp out God's plan and God's kingdom. And he always, always loses temporary losses. But it's already been sealed. It's already been written. He is as good as lost. He will lose here forever and ever. And that's the beautiful thing that we're studying right now. And so here, those who dwell on the earth made drunk with the wine of her immorality. Then he carried me away into the spirit to a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. 
full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. So this beast that we have seen, this, this Antichrist that will be at work by the power of the devil, opposing God, thinking he's one, just like he always does, but setting himself up for the world's most colossal failure. Blasphemous names, always blaspheming the name of God. The devil wants us in our hearts, with our mouths, with our actions, to blaspheme the name of God. The name of God is a big deal. We read in Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. How do you run into a name? Well, again, uh, you've heard me at funerals. I love to preach that text because it's true for those of us who have died in the Lord, but it's true for those of us here on the earth. When I say to use someone's name, you don't picture what that name looks like on print, or at least most of you probably don't. You think of the person, who they are, their character. The name of the Lord represents all of those things. And it's always been very special, precious, important to him that his name is worshipped and lifted up. But it's always been very important for the devil that the name of the Lord is blasphemed, is spoken against, is degraded. So we, of course, need to make sure that our lives, certainly our words, the things which we take into our hearts are not blasphemous to the Lord. Blasphemous names, seven heads and ten horns. We'll see that again in a moment. She's clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, all of these external luxuries, but having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. On her forehead, the harlots of Rome would oftentimes have a label on their head, and so here's the picture. On her forehead is written, Babylon the Great, and the mother of harlots, and did the abominations of the earth. Who is Babylon? We're not told here in the Scripture. Is it one particular kingdom? Will it be, as, as some have suggested, Rome? Possibly. Peter seems to be referring to Rome when he uses the term Babylon in his writings. Some have suggested it's the Roman Catholic Church. I don't know. Uh, could be many things. Is it one kingdom or is it all the kingdoms of the earth which oppose God? I'll tell you here after Jesus returns. We'll find out. But, 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 but this, this kingdom, this spirit of the devil at work against the Lord, mother of harlots and mother of the abominations of the earth. And since the beginning, there have been abominations and abominations and abominations. They're always new, and yet they're always the same. False religions, false teachings, false teachings of the world. Again, be so careful from where you receive your teaching. The Internet, anybody can put anything they want to on the Internet. Don't assume it's true because it's on the Internet. Don't assume it's true because a professor teaches it to you. Don't assume it's true because you read it in the book. Unless it's this book. Abomination after abomination after abomination. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. What a horrible picture here. Again, already happening today. Today. Today, many will die. Because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's happening around the world every single day. And it will only get worse. And it will get at its height here in the end. And she is drunk. What a horrible, vile picture. 
with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. You know, some have pointed out, how, how could John, after he's seen all that he's seen, wonder greatly when he saw her? I don't know. Is he shocked when he finds out who she is? I don't know. But he goes on in verse 7. The angel said, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss. It appears that the Antichrist will fake a death in some way and then appear to have risen again to gain glory and fame throughout those that are still on the earth at that point. We saw one of the Roman emperors do this same thing. Nero had a fake so-called death and came back to life. But he will come up out of the abyss and he will go to destruction. The word there means to be just like cutting a boat loose to just drift off into nothingness. Useless. Gone. Forever and ever. That is the fate of the devil. It's already done, but it will come about in its final fulfillment. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder. Is your name written in the book of life? What is the book of life? Is it a physical book? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's certainly a book that the Lord has in his head. How do you get your name written in the book of life? By doing good? No. That's a good thing. By coming to church? No, that's a good thing. By being a church member. No, that's a good thing. I think it's important. No, your name is written in the book of life only one way. And that's to believe that you have sinned against God. And that someone has to pay for your sin. And that Jesus, who was God, left the glories of heaven, came to this earth, died in your place on a cruel cross. And that if you would say to him, I don't understand everything, but I do believe that I've sinned against you. That's easy for me to say. I hope it's easy for you to say it's true. If you say it's not true, you're guilty of the sin of pride today. So there you are. You've sinned. I believe that I'm a sinner and I believe that somehow you were God and came to this earth and you lived and died in my place. Please forgive me. Apply what you accomplished on the cross to my sin and live in my heart as Lord and Savior. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Your name will be written in the book of life which God has known about since the foundation of time. Those whose names are not written in that book will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. And here is the mind which has wisdom. He says the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Rome has seven hills. So again, we point towards Rome, whether it be physically that, that Rome and it's, uh, the, the kingdom of Rome, the Roman Empire will uh, reinvent itself, or again, if it's symbolic of Rome on seven mountains. But he says there are also seven kings. Well, which seven kings are they? Well, they could be the seven kingdoms that have opposed God throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Could be seven Roman emperors. We just don't know. But nevertheless, these kings, these who oppose the Lord, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast, which was and is not, is himself also an eighth, because he will rule the world as he is the Antichrist and one of the seven, and again he goes to destruction. The ten horns, which you saw, he says, the ten horns are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, 
but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. Again, when the European Union formed, at one point there were ten nations, and so everyone thought that might be the ten kingdoms, and it certainly could have been. It turned out at that moment it wasn't. Who are they? We don't know. But these ten powers who will gain power for a moment with only one purpose, to surrender their power to the Antichrist. And so all of these will come, but they're doomed. You remember we studied last week how the Lord, one of the bowls of his wrath, was to dry up the Euphrates, making it possible for the kings of the earth to cross the 1,700-mile-long river, the scene of many of the world's battles. And if you remember, Napoleon looked at it and said, you know, all the armies of the world could maneuver here in the plain of Megiddo. Well, he was right, more right than he knew. And so what does God do? How is it the wrath of God to dry up the river? That doesn't sound very good to us. It's the wrath of God because God says, come one, come all. When the prophets of Baal were doomed by God, he had his prophets say, get all of them. Make sure we don't miss one. When he dried up the Red Sea, God said to Pharaoh and his army, come on, bring every single soldier. Be sure you don't forget one. And that's what God does here with the Euphrates River. He dries it up to say to all the kings of the earth, the Antichrist, the beast, the devil, and all those kings of the earth. And he says, please invite everybody. Please don't forget one because I will destroy them forever and ever and ever. Oh, they are doomed forever. And that goes on into this next section. The Lamb wins. One of the encouragements, one of the confidences that we need to gain from this passage is that the Lamb wins. Rest assured, God will destroy the destroyer. The destroyer is on a temporary leash and he does things that trouble us. And we see the devil at work and we see him influencing people. It, again, it's, remember Jesus taught us it's not flesh and blood. We want to make enemies out of the people in our lives, or the people in the world. Jesus said, no, it's not the people. It's the devil working inside the people. It's hard to remember that, but it's good for us to remember that so we can pray against the right enemy. Because our job is to forgive the faces and the people, knowing that they're just being used and influenced by the devil. But the lamb wins, rest assured. So they'll all wage war against the lamb in verse 14. And don't you know by this time with all the kingdoms of the world that God must be scared? Not hardly. We hearken back to Psalm 2, verses 1 and 4. In Psalm 2, he says, why are the nations in an uproar? And why are the peoples devising vain things? And he goes on in verse 4, talking about the peoples who come against God. Verse 4, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. When I have danger coming my way, I don't find myself giggling very much. I get scared at times. But God just says, bring them all. All it causes me to do is just kind of giggle. Because I'm going to destroy all of them. These, he says, will wage war and the lamb will overcome them because the lamb has always overcome. He's overcome throughout the history of the world. He's overcome throughout the pages of the scripture. He overcame at the cross and he will overcome at the end. So rest assured, the things that trouble you in this world, the things that are the, the result of the negative influence of the devil in this world, as he temporarily seems to cause so much harm and so much evil against you and in the lives of others, it will end. 
And he will be doomed forever and ever. He will be sent to the abyss. He'll be sent out for a thousand years, as we'll see soon. And he'll be brought back so that we can see the completion of this destruction. And verse uh, 14 goes on. He overcomes. Why? Because he is the Lord of lords. He's not a Lord. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He's not a king. He's the king of all the kings. And those who are with him are the called and the chosen and the faithful. We'll come back to that. Verse 15, he said to me, the waters which you saw were the harlot sits or peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. He has influence over these things temporarily. But you see, this is the same description of God's mission for the church. This is the same description that we see in the book of Revelation. We've seen it earlier that there'll be those from all of these multitudes, nations and tongues Worshipping the Lord in heaven forever and ever. This is the same mission we have. Now, he's evil. God's already declared him destroyed. He will destroy him forever. But why are we still here? Because we have the same target. We have the same target that the devil has. He has come, we read in John 10, 10, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus has chosen for his own reasons to do so through you. And through me, as long as you're still breathing, you're part of God's mission. When he no longer thinks that he needs you for his mission, you'll stop breathing. But as long as you're breathing, you're a part. Ask God today, what am I doing on mission for you, God, to reach these nations and tongues? And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, here's a turnabout at the end. These will hate the harlot. And will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. And the woman which you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. The lamb will win and all these will turn against her. The beast and the woman. But the last is making sure that you're on the right side. Now, there's belonging to the right side, again, which means you've come to know Christ as your Savior. Once you've come to know Christ as your Savior, once you've been born again, that can never be undone. We say, well, what about old so-and-so? They were a church member, and they don't walk with God anymore. Their life is full of horrible sin. It doesn't seem that, that that they came to Christ. Maybe not. Only God and that person knows. But you can't be born and then be unborn. Once you're born again, you've come to know Christ as your Savior for real. You're His forever. You're declared forgiven. Because of Christ, we still sin. But Jesus has paid for it. And the plan of the Lord is that we grow. Some days are better than others. Some months are better than others. But we should be on a trajectory that over time is becoming more and more like Christ. I've got plenty of job security left. I've got a long way to go to be more and more like Christ. But we want to be sure that we're not playing over on the other side. 